Live from the Jacob Media Studios, it's Serving Our Nation with Dr. Paul McCullough on News Talk 1400 WOND. Be inspired, learn and understand the power of becoming a servant leader and transform your life while serving our nation. Meet those who have served our country. Learn about prosperity and overcome sickness, poverty and despair. Serving Our Nation begins right now. Good afternoon and welcome to episode 58 of Serving Our Nation. I'm your host, Reverend Dr. Paul McCullough, and if today is your first time tuning into the program, I just want to share with you the heart behind Serving Our Nation. This is a program that is focused on encouraging people to become servant leaders, and my only goal is to offer you hope and encouragement through stories each week of people that have dedicated their lives to living out this idea of servant leadership and honoring God. Because what people have demonstrated week after week, and what I know to be true, is that when you live this kind of life, blessings will follow as a natural byproduct of that service. Because all of us are given special gifts by God. And because of that, it is our obligation and our responsibility that when we see a need in the world around us, we should fill that need to the best of our ability. Because serving is for everyone in all walks of life, whether you're a military leader, a person in business, a leader in faith, a leader in your community, or even something as simple as your family, you can lead and serve people. And last week, if you missed it, in episode 57, I had the great privilege of having on Susan Ruggiero, who I affectionately know as my Aunt Sue, and she told a very compelling, heartwarming story about how she was able to retire from her very long career in insurance after 40 years and transition to a job a passion that she has in caring for her husband, my Uncle Mike, and she's been doing that for the last eight years with a number of health problems that his G's had, excuse me, that he's had. And now she considers that to be her purpose in life. So if you missed it, I'd highly encourage you to go back and listen to her story. But for today, just a little bit about May that's relevant. I have the great privilege of being friends with a woman named Melissa Fitzgerald, who you might know as Carol from the West Wing. And today, I have the privilege of having on her brother, Mr. Craig Fitzgerald. Now, this is important for me not only because Craig is Melissa's brother, uh, but also I have a son that has really been involved with football for the last four years, and he was very interested in the NFL draft. And so Craig is an incredible man. He was a walk-on player for the Maryland Temple. Terpins. He was a former strength and conditioning coach for Penn State, and he now serves as the head strength and conditioning coach for the New York Giants. So, incredible man, really excited to hear his story, and I'm just so thankful to Melissa Fitzgerald for this connection and looking forward to what Craig has to say. So when we come back from the break, I'll be joined by Mr. Craig Fitzgerald. Stay with us. We'll be right back. If you're interested in connecting with Dr. Paul McCullough or interested in being featured on the show, contact Jacob Media Partners via LinkedIn. Now, back to Serving Our Nation. And welcome back to Serving Our Nation. I'm your host, Reverend Dr. Paul McCullough, and I'm joined here today by Mr. Craig Fitzgerald. So, Craig, first of all, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to be on the program here today. It means so much to have somebody of your caliber on the show. Well, Paul, it's an honor to be on the show, and um, 
my sister has talked about you many times in, in, in depth, and I'm just excited to be getting to know you. We, we talked a little bit last week, and now being on your show, continued conversation, and I hope it goes further than this. Really excited about getting to know you. Thank you, Craig. Well, listen, I, I mentioned to you when we spoke last week, I'm not much of a sports guy, uh, but my son is very much into football. And I know that football has been a very big passion of yours. So I would love if you would share with the audience a little bit about, you know, where that passion came from, how you got into football, when that took place for you, and just a little bit of your story of how football has gotten you to where you're at today. Great. And this is awesome because I can mention just my family uh, background in it because it really didn't have much football in it. Uh, my immediate family, my, my sister, who is uh, a big advocate and worker for Justice for Vets, introduced me to, to you, Paul, and, and she was a tennis player uh, growing up, and now she, she was a big star in the West Wing, and now an uh, even bigger deal with Justice for Vets, which I'm excited about. And my brother was a tennis player in college, and the person I think was most responsible for me getting involved in football was my eight-year-old soccer coach. Wow. And the funny story is I just kept getting penalties, yellow cards, red cards, whatever you want to call them. And he finally went to my dad. He said, look, he's costing us too many penalty minutes. You know, you ought to take him over to the next town. They have a football team over there because all he wants to do is make contact with people. So that was, <laughs> that, that, that's really the story. And without him, uh, I, wouldn't have, you know, I wouldn't have had such a great experience with football for myself and the enjoyment of it. Uh, I didn't really know about football that much, uh, but it does turn out bloodlines. I was very fortunate. My grandfather was an All-American at Tufts University in 1927, and uh, he had a lot more talent than I than I ever had. But I think he had the same passion I had for it. But I would not have been involved with it directly unless my soccer coach uh, pulled the trigger on moving me over to football to save himself um, free goals from the other team. That's how it worked. Wow! And what age was that? I was eight and under soccer um, in Philadelphia. So I put, they put me, they tried me at fullback, and I kept slap tackling people. Then they moved me in the goal, and I guess I found a way to, to meet the ball and the, the other eight-year-old at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, that's how I got moved over to football. But I, I just loved it, and when I got involved, I loved everything about it. I loved the the, the teamwork, and I, I, I was a bigger kid, so I played in the lines. So I loved the contact of it. I just loved, I loved the game, and uh, that led to – get into it further i guess but it just led to a lifelong um love affair with football and then it became my employment uh, so i'm very fortunate uh that i was connected with football so you have a very long career i mean not many people in the entire football arena get to do what you've done so you played professional football for a time and then you were a strength and conditioning coach for penn state and now you do that for the new york giants like and there's all kinds of articles written about what an incredible strength and conditioning coach that you are and like you're like beloved across the country for it well i i have to and that may have that may be in my who knows? Maybe it's on a background that's that's a little messed up. But um, so I never ever played professional football. I tried like heck to make a professional team. I was never good enough. So I never got. I always like to say they they never paid me to play, but they pay me to coach. Okay, and that says it all right there. So I tried out um, for NFL. I tried out for CFL. I tried out for arena football. Not good enough to play any of it. Um, so I was good enough to play college football because. They really don't pay you, Paul. They just give you a free free meal and free books. But <laughs> once they pay you, you got to be really good. So I was never good enough to make it as a as a professional player. But uh, but yeah, I've been very fortunate and uh, blessed. And a lot of it has to do with you know being you know being getting put in touch and connecting with people. And a lot of it just was you know I was very fortunate. Like I happened to go to University of Maryland and, and meet uh, my strength coach there who really started my career, you know, brought me in as an intern after I was done playing at Maryland. And I just love how good he was at his job, how much he connected with the players there. And I said, man, I really want to have a job where I can help people maximize their potential and something they love. And all I really loved was football. That's all I really was passionate about. And so he helped me become from a subpar player to a average player at best. So I was a starter in college and that's as good as I could be. But without him and his program and his dedication I would have never achieved that that average uh, bar and um, so I said man if I can take guys that wouldn't have been as good without me 
and make it better and, and make it better because of my programming and my my influence on their their uh, their training. Mm-hmm. Man, I'd love to do something like that. So that's how that all came about. But um, yeah, I've been very fortunate to be connected with some great people in the business. Wow. And so through all this time that you've been in the world of football, Craig, I mean, what has that taught you about being a leader, about caring for the people? I mean, football is very much a sport of camaraderie. I mean, I see my fr- my son and he talks about all the time and, you know, his closest friends are those that he's played football with the last four years. So what has that taught you in all your time with being in that sport? Well, I'm really happy to hear about your son. And I know we, we talked about him a little bit before uh, and, and, on an initial call and he really seems to love it. And I would say that's the first thing if you love it. And as far as being a part of it and leading it, um, if the people you're around know you have a passion for it and you have a passion for them. And this goes into, you know, one of the things you, you talk about so much, which I love is servant leadership. And that's really what it is. You know, we had our guys in today, we'll have them tomorrow and, you know, it's, it's about them. It's not about, you know, you as a coach, it's about them getting 1% better today. Hey, also you, Hey, have, have you, are you, what are you gonna do for recovery later? What do you, Hey, what are you going to eat today? Like what's, what's going on? You, you mentioned in your, in your, um, your review of the weekend, you're, you know, you're a little tired. What happened this weekend? You know, just caring conversations where you're trying to connect with them. And then from there, you, they really want, they really want to listen to you. Like, hey, like, what do you think would be best for this coach? Like, how can I do this better? How can I get a better, better hip stretch? You know, all that, all those things that, those little things that add up. Once they know you care about them and you're there for them and yeah. you serve them, yeah, that's that's really how you lead. It's not getting up front on a, you know, jump box and yelling to the team. It's you know, one guy at a time, even though there's 80 guys in the room. So, so with your role now in. The New York Giants. I mean, that's a professional football team, yes? It is, yep. Part of the National Football League. We're NFC East. Yep. So, and so, Giants, yes. So, you're their head coach for strength and conditioning. And so, uh, I, I misunderstood originally. I thought that you had played pro ball. So, you had said that you did not. So, what is it like for you? to be in front of a whole room of guys that play for the NFL and you're telling them, hey, this is what you need to do to be the best version of yourself. Did they have any pushback to you originally or did they just automatically um, accept what it is that you're telling them because of previous things that you've done? Yeah, and that that is a great question. It really is. And it's my first year of professional strength and conditioning was with the Houston Texans. So I've been a college strength coach before that, I think for probably 15 or 16 years, uh, I played college ball. So I've been around it for 20 years in the college ranks. And my first year in Houston, um, you know, it was really, we had about two months to get prepared and then it was the day they were going to come back and start training with us. And I was really nervous. Like, geez, man, these, why would these guys listen to me? You know, I'm, I never played pro football. I'm yeah. a college guy. And when they got in there, you know, I, I talked to them, explained the program. We did a little, little, just kind of a review and, and of of, uh, of what was going to happen in the next day, and then okay, guys, you know, hey, good luck, you know, get a good night's sleep, and tomorrow we're going to get it. And one of the team leaders, a defensive back, came out to me and goes, "Hey, look, we're real excited you're here, and you know, we're going to, everybody's going to buy in. Don't don't even worry about it." And I, I think maybe he sensed I was a little nervous. Yeah, it's pretty neat. And man, they bought right in, and you know. Um, I'm not going to name drop or anything like that, but the guys that were, you know, that I would watch on TV were, Hey coach, what's next? What do I have next? And it really was, was awesome. And I think this is the way they're wired. They want to be their best. Now, if you come in there and you know, if they sense, man, really, this is guys really out of place. Maybe he doesn't know what he's talking about as much as he should. Maybe they'll, they would, you know, eh, but I think if they sense like, Hey, you're going to really try, you have, you know, a solid, solid background and they'll give you a chance. Yeah. And, uh, and then after that, if, if you, again, show you care and you're, and you're trying to improve yourself as a coach, you're trying to come up with the, the best tactics for them to make improvements and them be at their best. They will, they will do whatever you ask because they just want to get better. And that's, that's really, this kind of leads to the next thing. What separates those guys from all the college guys? And, you know, if, if you lined up a lot of the pro players, Paul, like there's, you know, there's, there's 90 guys at training camp in every in every pro um, pro team. You mm-hmm. know, come uh, come late July, early August. So 
what separates the 53, you know, from, from, from the rest of them, you know, from, from the 37? What separates those guys, the 53, 53 guys make the roster, 37 don't? And they all kind of like are the same size, you know, similar speeds for per, per position. You know, a defense lineman kind of looks like a defense lineman. And what separates them is really their belief in that, hey, this is where they belong. Hey, look, their, 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 their dedication to studying the, the film, studying, you know, the plays, and, and also their dedication to doing little things like stretching. Over time, that will help them beat out other guys. So it's really not a, just a total genetics thing. Everybody at this level has great genetics. A lot of guys get sent packing that have great genetics. It's really the intangibles that keep the guys. And usually those guys are really good guys if you get to stick around because they're really dedicated, really committed, really good people internally. So that, that's, yeah. that's really good to be around those guys. So I don't know, uh, maybe I'm misunderstanding a little bit. When I was doing some research, it seemed like there is maybe like a, a movie or a, an article, maybe a book. So there was something that was based on you and your persona of how you would lead when you're getting in front of these guys. Is that right? Am I off on that? Something about a coach uh, Mac. Yeah, no, there was a book. Um, there was a book written. Uh, I think it was Fourth and Long, by uh, by John Bacon, who was a big writer for the Big Ten, um, and he really did a nice job for us. And, and so he did. He came and stayed with us at Penn State for the 2012 season, when we had you know a really tough deal. Um, I don't know if you know much about that, but I came with Bill O'Brien from. Uh, South Carolina, and he became the head coach. And so he wrote about the, the season after Joe Paterno and just all the turmoil and the players that stayed, didn't transfer out. Mm -hmm. and, um, and that was neat to be a part of. And he mentioned, I think he mentioned me in the book, which I will always, you know, it really did not need to do that uh, at all. It was really about the players and Coach O'Brien. But uh, that was a nice gesture by him, and that, that was a really important team for us to be a part of because went through a lot, but we really create some really strong bonds for our players. That was good. So it's fourth along by John Bacon. I think that's what you're referring to. Okay. So in that particular thing, when I was reading an article about it, um, it was definitely referencing how you were leading from the front and challenging the players to be their best self and kind of uh, overcome some of their adversity or what they thought their limits might be. Does that ring a bell? And has that been true in your actual uh, real life experience? Well, I'll tell you what. There's a lot of uh, a lot of ways to do it, and I think for me, you know, it didn't matter what team it was. It was really about the connection. So I've I've trained women's teams, I've trained men's teams. I was fortunate that I've been in a lot of places, from Division Three Catholic U, all the way to the NFL, um, and all of them have been important to me. They've been important stops. I love each and every one of them. Yeah. And like I said, I've had different sports: contact sports, non-contact sports, women's sports, men's sports. Um, and it's really just person to person connecting. And, some, and sometimes, like, maybe the team, you know, is in a tough spot, you know. And one of the neat things when I was at Harvard, we had a, uh, we had a really rough start in 07, and we kind of just told the team, not just me, the strength coaches all got together on a Sunday after we, we lost the game early in the season. I said, guys, we believe in you. You guys worked really hard. And we, we believe you guys are going to have a great year. Just, just keep – keep sticking with the process and we're behind it. We just want to tell you, we're just proud of you guys of what you went through this, this off season, how much you pushed. And we, we lost our starting quarterback and a, and a, the second teamer went in that game and, and we said, let's rally around everybody here. And, and they did, and they won the rest of their games. And we just want to tell them how much we cared about them and how much we believed in them. And sometimes that's the way you motivate. Yeah. And I think that's one of the ways that, that uh, really, really works well because it's sincere, you know, that's awesome. So, Looking back, is there a time that you just say to yourself, man, like, I can't believe that this is my life. This is what I get to do. And, you know, you, you just felt like God showed up in a particular moment. Maybe it was in one of the players that you had been coaching that went and did something, or maybe it was a comment from one of your previous players. Was there a time that you just really were in awe of the life that you have for yourself and how God is working through you? Well, you know, it, it's interesting you said that just because you get whatever you do, whatever, however fired up you are, you sometimes, at least me, I get caught up in the day to day and you don't stop and think, you know, how fortunate you are. But, you know, now that you mentioned it. Um, yeah, I mean, absolutely. Uh, very blessed and, and, and just very fortunate. And most of it has to do with the people that have come into, 
you know, our lives, you know, and, and I can speak for myself only, but yeah, without the people that have come into my life, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be here uh, where I am today. There's no doubt. And, uh, you know, big part of it, you know, you drop a pebble in the water and, and the, the strongest current is right by the pebble and, and the people closest to you. And that, that's my case, definitely. So, you know, um, it starts with my wife who, you know, being, when we started as a straight, as, as a strength coach family, it's just me and my wife and, you know, they're what you didn't, <laughs> I, when, when people get into coaching now, it's man, I really want to get into coaching. I like the, this and I like the, that there was none of that. Then it was, you're going to make a lot of sacrifices financially and time wise. And it has to be, it has to be a calling. And that's what it was. And she believed in it. Like, look, if you love, if you love this, we got to do it. We got to move. We got to live in, you know, little apartments here and there. We got to do it because you love it. And so that was, that's why we got into it. And that's, you know, we ended up here but all because you have the right people sticking by you and supporting you. Wow. So you mentioned your family and looking at your uh, social media and just things that have been written on you and on the internet, it seems like you have a uh, wife, three kids and a dog. And that that's a whole lot to manage in combination with being a head coach for strength and conditioning. How do you balance all of that? You know, the family demands, father, husband, plus being a full-time coach. And you know, yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> it's it, a lot. It's, it's, it's how you do it. It's basically again, like at work, it's, you know, the staff I work with, you know, Drew Wilson, Mark Losher, Sam Code, Steve Steve Tatkawa, Spencer Remischanski, and then they're immediately in, in performance with me in strength performance. And you know, we I couldn't do couldn't do anything without them. I mean, they're we're a team, and that's at work, so we can be a lot more efficient. Everybody is going as hard as they can all, at all times, trying to help the athletes together. And then at home, um, you know, I great. I had great parents that really, you know, pushed you to, like my sister was an actress. My brother uh, is, is in finance and, you know, Hey, whatever, whatever we can do to support you and, and run your dream. And being a strength coach is, is a little bit of an odd profession. Um, it, you know, it's a little different from the norm. So I supported parents that were really like, they really weren't used to that profession, but they were always asking about it and trying to be supportive. And again, um, you know, my wife is uh, is a is a really strong advocate of, you know, my career, and um, it's always like if there's a better situation, then we can she'll pack them all up and move. So, right, you know, none of these things, you know, happen, you know, uh, by yourself. There, you know, really, that's total opposite. It's a it's a team. So it's team fits at home. It's the giants at uh, giants at work. Absolutely, and uh, you know, I'm I'm really forced to be a part of both. That is awesome. So, Team Fits, how old are your kids in Team Fits? Uh, there are 14, 12, and 11, three boys. And, you know, and how do you do it all? Well, as a dad, I'm not around much. And I had a great mentor. Um, this is not around home much, let me say that, okay? But I had a great mentor um, at University of Maryland that was my strength coach and also my first boss in the field. And he taught me to include, include your children at work. Mm. So I may not be home much, but my, my children, now that COVID's over, they've always been before COVID, now that, that I say it's over, right? I, I shouldn't say that, right? Yeah, that's, that's yeah. <laughs> but anyway, like, as, as, it, as it's, as it's, uh, winding down, with, uh, grinding down, there you go, sorry, uh, I let that slip, but the point is, is uh, before COVID, my kids were always at work and, you know, climbing on the power racks and, you know, lifting stuff, probably stuff they probably shouldn't do if people saw them, they'd be like, man, those kids are going to get hurt in there, but they were fine. But now they're kind of easing back in, and that's a big part of it. So they can get in there, and I can work them out. I can see them. Um, if I get home, you know, if it's late at night, I may, you know, they may tell them to beat me in the garage, and they're jumping rope. And so I'm always trying to be a part of it. So they are my hobby. So it's not like, you know, when I'm off of work, I'm going to go play golf, you know, for four hours. Yeah. Right? When I'm off of work, I'm going to go take a road trip and, you know, do something with my buddies. That doesn't happen. It's really my kids are my hobby in that. As soon as I'm out of work, it's all about them. Where where are they playing? I can get out early at night. I'm going to go over and watch them play. I'm going to drive them home after practice. If they got out at 9 o'clock, I'm going to pick them up. So things like that, you know, you just have to run hard and do it. And uh, and it's important. But I try to include them at work as much as possible and get them over there and they can work out. I can see them. Now, are they also football players in their own age groups? 
They are. And uh, the reason they play football, Paul, is I make them. parents now say, you know, geez, aren't you worried about concussions? I said, well, sure, I'm worried about concussions. But if my kids don't play, how, how am I going to have a job later? You know, they got to play. No, I'm <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Yeah, there's a little bit of truth to that, like, but uh, but but they absolutely love it. Uh, they absolutely love the game, and um, they they can't get enough of it. They know more about seriously. They'll know more about different trades and transactions. They may know more before I do. Uh, so I'll get home and say, "Hey, so and so's getting traded, or so and hey, you guys are trying to get this guy," because they're always looking it up. And you know, they're they're they're, they're you know they're interesting that way. They 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 look at it pretty hard, but they're uh, they love the game. They also they also wrestle play basketball, uh, and they also uh, play lacrosse. So wow. Yeah. That's a very busy family there. Well, as you know, with your son, it, they have energy, right, Paul? So, yeah. You know, if, if they're in the house, they're, they're, they are have energy in the house, or they can have energy on the court or the field, which one's better, right? Yeah, so uh, yeah. Get, get them out and about. So we have a – my wife's a great boy's mom. They're always in the suburban. They're always heading somewhere, or going back, get picked up from somewhere. They're they're moving at all times. That's the key there. So, but yeah, they they, they love sports. They they can't get enough of it. And so you talked about your wife a couple of times. How so she's really kind of been by your side the whole time. And if she says, "Well, if you love it, then this is what we're going to go do." How are you able to make time for her and really serve her and you know honor her as your spouse and your wife that's been with you this whole time? How how does that um, play out in your life for you, Craig? Yeah, in a lot of businesses, you know, I, I, I kind of sometimes like coaches like, well, we you know we just we put so many all that stuff. There's a lot of everybody puts time in, you know. There's, I mean, most jobs are. When I talk to my sister; she's she's busy. Everybody's busy. Yeah. You know? so yeah. It's it's not so much the time, you know, quantity. It's definitely you try and make the quality time. You yeah. Know? And and uh, what's that like? Maybe it's you know, 15 minutes. You know, the kids are already we're rolling. They're getting in bed, and we can sit down for 15 minutes after. I'm sure a lot of people live like this. Yeah. You know? and yeah. You, and you try and try and make a connection and. Um, and, and, and talk, you know, hey, how was the day and things like that. So we try, you know, I try and do that and um, I try and de-sell on the way home. And, and so I can, uh, I can be, you know, have, be, a, be a better conversationalist, which I'm always trying to be, you know? So, yeah, but, uh, absolutely. But that's important. If I can do that and then when there's free time um, with, with, uh, with my wife and my sons, I mean, that's, that's our time together, you know, and uh, we, we try and make that, you know, like, for example, Mother's Day was yesterday. So, I took the kids and worked them out for two hours and gave her some time, you know, which is a rare time for her. She gets a little time to do her thing. So I'm sure a lot of people did that yesterday, but those, those, those things that I think a lot of people do that, that we try and do in our house is make it quality time. Amen. I love that. Well, so let's talk about something else um, that's, you know, maybe hard to do. So you've been a coach for quite a long time, and now you're a coach for a professional football team. Is there something that you would look back on, and it was just a really challenging experience for you to get through, maybe personally or professionally? What, what's the hardest thing that you've had to get through um, in your professional life, and how did you overcome that? Yeah, so, you know, I... I been a part of many staffs, um, you know, and, and I've learned a lot from every one of them, you know, and so that's been great. And so the hardest thing about about what I do, I think, is coming and going, you know, and I think it's really going and, and coming probably. That's the hardest thing. So, you know, it, it's whether it be Catholic U where I actually didn't make any money. Uh, funny story, for two years there, um, my wife worked. Uh, downtown as, as, on M Street in Georgetown as a, as a lobbyist assistant and you know she didn't make a ton of money I, you know, she was an entry level position and I, I made no money but I was full time you know what that means Paul when you're full time make no money it's, 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 <laughs> you, you work you work like you know you work the same you know always working you know 15 hours a day and, yeah. and coaching Catholic football and strength and uh, but it wasn't like I was working at all it was the most fun I ever had you know it was great so you know I, I could have done it forever and yeah, I remember she looked at me and said, what do you want to do with this career? I said, what do you mean? This is a career. This is great. You know, I'm enjoying every minute. I'm saying, no, you have to you actually you have to get paid at some point. And I said, oh, yeah, I do, right? So point is, it was time to go um, after two years and further my career, become a GA somewhere and keep trying to advance the best I could. 
But that was the hardest thing I ever did was leave those kids at Catholic U. Yeah. I was so connected to them. And um, I still, the cool thing about that is, look, it's, it's hard. So the hardest thing is to leave. And then you, you move to a new staff. You try and get to know those guys. And that's the hardest thing. But the cool thing about it is you meet so many people. So it's still, to this day, once a year to one of the games, I'll have three of my former Catholic U players that now have three or four kids each. They're in their late 40s as I was only about 23, 24 when I was coaching them, uh, they come down to a game every wow. year. They, yeah, so that's, that's the neat thing. But the hardest thing is leaving where you are. Yeah, you know? yeah. So. And so let's look at the flip side of that. If the hardest thing is going and coming, what is the greatest blessings that you've gotten from all your work as a head coach? Is it when, you know, those young kids that you coach grew up to, you know, be professional ball players? Like, what, what's the greatest thing that has brought you joy in your career? Yeah, so I spent a lot of time at different levels. So Division Three, One AA, and then then Division One, then the NFL. So you know, I've had some guys make the NFL, and then obviously I coach guys in the NFL now. But you know, I'm I'm just I don't want to say which I'm more proud of, but I've had you know um, I think five of my players you know serve in the United States military. Wow. Um, I've had. One of them uh, was a captain, you know, in Afghanistan and, you know, didn't know if he's going to make it back. He made it back. And, you know, like he won my, was our best receiver at Harvard. Um, and, you know, I, I would get letters from him saying, you know, uh, you know, the, the only thing worse than being here is, you know, running your conditioning test. It's like busting my chops, you know, like just stuff like that, just, to, you know, kind of a laugh. But, you know, I was, I was, you know, praying he'd make it back, you know, and he did. And another guy, Matt McDonald, uh, you know, has been a captain in the Marines for, since he graduated in, you know, 1997 Catholic Union, refuses to take a desk duty and uh, just loves to loves to be a leader there. So, just, so I'm as proud as those guys are. One guy was a Division three player that, you know, uh, wouldn't, would never be confused with, with being a guy that could play in the NFL, but probably the guy you know i'm more i'm as proud of him as a as i am of anybody you know so just those things are so rewarding um and then when they have you know they send me pictures of their families and uh and their daughters and sons i mean you, you, we can't beat that yeah absolutely they're, they're amazing uh so that's that's awesome i really do appreciate them connecting with me i don't, I don't think they know how much that means to coaches when you know as if you're a former player and you and you just hit them up text them Throw, uh, you know, you know, send a Christmas letter. I mean, that means Christmas card. That means that means everything. Yeah. You know? So it's pretty cool. So, Craig, we've got about two minutes left, and one of the last things I want to ask you. You know, you talk a lot about pouring into people on the different levels that you've gotten to do that. If there's a young person that's listening today, and maybe it's somebody like my young son that's getting ready to graduate high school and move on to college, and maybe it's somebody that's considering to play college ball, or maybe even have their sights set on the NFL. But they say, I, you know, I don't know if I have what it takes, and you know, I feel like I might need to lose some weight and be stronger, and they're just, they're full with a lot of self doubt. What would you say to them? Yeah, I would say it's all about self improvement. And when I got to University of Maryland, there was an assistant strength coach there. He's no longer a strength coach, but he was a really good guy. And I was, yeah, I looked at the record board. I was a freshman in college, and, and anybody can relate to this, whatever level you are. If you're a freshman in high school, if you're a person that's, you know, forty five years old or fifty five years old and trying to get in shape, you know, for the first time or whatever. You know, you look, it can be seen, it can seem daunting as you're comparing yourself to other people. So the first thing I did was I looked at the record boards of, and man, the, the top jump, the top bench press, the top squat, the top 40 yard dash, top mile time. I said, man, I'm never going to, I'm never going to get those ever. I mean, I can't do that. Yeah. I can't, you know, I'm 18 and these guys are, you know, 22 on the board, so I can't get there. And I remember being, you know, kind of like a little bit down during the workout because you know, I was like, like, man, what am I doing in here? Like, it was a waste of time. And, uh, and I asked the assistant strength coach, and I said, hey, Rich, like, like all those guys, man, like, man, you think a guy like me can, can stay here? I mean, he's like, hey, don't even look at those things. Just focus on your own improvement. That's all you do. And then you take little steps and just see where you end up later. And then sure enough, like everybody in the room that was a freshman at that ended up a lot better than they thought they would, you know, in four years. Okay. Yeah. So that's the point. And so, you know, if you're starting off, like take small steps, like get your first workout in, you know, and, and it's either 
don't try and do everything that you know some bodybuilder, some powerlifter, some professional players doing some magazine. Those guys are they're at the top end, right? And we're starting you know lower than that. So like this day, first day, you know, hey, if you want it to be a run day or a cardio day, go out there for thirty minutes. Could be walking for thirty minutes, you know. Could be walking for twenty minutes. Take a break, walk for ten more, you know. Yeah. And then maybe maybe in a few weeks it's a little bit of a walk, a little bit of a run. Maybe you you turn into interval uh, reps where you know you're you're walking for a minute and then maybe jogging for a minute, and, you know, having fun. And then maybe you, you join a a uh, a basketball league, you know, swim aerobics, like whatever it is. Just get going, you know. And then the weight room um, is really a simple place that people make more complicated than it is. It's just strength training. So it's just about movement and different dimensions and, and getting in positions and out positions. That's all it is. So it's, there's really, you can break it down, Paul, to, to, to really three movements if you want to. A squatting movement, which if you watch any toddler, they do it pretty easy, right? We lose that ability if we don't do it. Mm-hmm. So if you want to start off with a body weight free squat or if you want to hold on to a, you know, a, a table or you know, a wall or a counter just to get, get back going into it. That's great. Do that. And then start off just getting the range of motion. And then if you want to slowly add resistance, wait, grab a dumbbell and hold it up under your chin called a goblet squat. Like you're drinking out of a, a goblet at church or late Raiders of the Lost Ark, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> holding, you're holding that thing right on your chin and it's real safe that way in case something, you know, geez, doesn't feel right, you can always just drop the dumbbell or put it down. You don't have to have a bar on your back to squat, okay? So you're starting off assisted, hold, that's holding on to something, okay? Free, which is no resistance, and just holding on to nothing, just free squatting, you know, going down and coming up. And then uh, resisted, you know, holding some resistance. And that's that's the really the just the, the step-by-step process to doing a squat movement. Um, the next movement is a pressing movement. So you're pressing something away, or you could call it pushing if you want, pushing away. So that could be a bench press, a, a dumbbell overhead press, or simply a push-up. Now, a push-up can come in all sorts of forms. A military push-up that you've done, you know, millions of. But Or it could be a push-up where, you know, you start with your knees on the ground, or you start with your hands on a counter or a chair so your hands are a little higher than where your feet are, make it a little easier. Right. And and do that. That's That's the second movement. So again, easier angle, flat angle, add resistance. Okay. All right. Lastly, okay, would be a pulling movement. Just picking something off off the ground with your with your torso in upright position. People call it a deadlift. I just call it a pull, and that way it's not like ooh a deadlift. You don't want to tell. I, my wife wouldn't really go for it if you said, hey, one of our exercises is a deadlift. She probably wouldn't be too excited about doing it. So if I say, hey, listen, this is just going to pull this off the ground. So it's just a pull. Okay, I can do a pull. You know, so she put a put a kettlebell right between her feet and butt down, chest up, pick up the kettlebell, put it down a little slower and you picked it up. Okay, everything should be about three sets of 10 for beginners. So squatting, pushing, pulling. You have yourself a little workout there. Have somebody watch you, make sure your posture's good. And take your time and make it easy at first and just slowly add resistance and degrees of difficulty as time goes on. Well, Craig, I'll tell you, for a guy that is a very much a novice in exercise, that was a great rundown of how I can improve my own physical fitness. And I really think that can help all the listeners as well. And I just want to thank you so much for the time that you have spent on the program, who you are as a man, and all that you're doing to pour into today's generation, and really just your friendship and the opportunity to speak with you, Craig. Really appreciate your time today. Paul, it's been an honor to be on your show. Let's you know, continue our conversations and son, my dad love to love to talk to him about his training and anything I can do to help him and keep listening it better and uh, and keep enjoying what we do. Amen. Thank you so much, Craig. Really appreciate it. All right, Thanks, well, when we come back from the break, we're gonna reflect on the lessons of servant leadership that we've heard from today's guest. So stay with us. We'll be right back.
You're listening to Serving Our Nation with Dr. Paul McCullough, a Jacob Media Production. And welcome back to Serving Our Nation. I'm your host, Reverend Dr. Paul McCullough. And as we close out today's show, I just want to think about briefly what we have heard from today's guest, Mr. Craig Fitzgerald. What an incredible man he is. And, you know, he is in the world of sports, and that's not a world that I live in, but I certainly have a newfound appreciation and respect for it after my conversation with him today. And I just want to go over a few really important nuggets that I think um, he shared with us today. So, one, I was really motivated when he talked about the greatest thing that he can do for his players is to develop caring connections. And he said it manifests in a lot of different ways, but the greatest thing that he can do for them is to show them that he really cares for them and wants them to be their best selves. And he went on to say that as he's been coaching at different levels, the greatest difference between people that just play at college ball versus people that go on to play for the NFL at the professional level is a belief in themselves and the plays and all things like that. It's really a heart condition. And he gets to have a big role in developing that heart condition by inspiring people to believe in themselves and who they are and what they can do. And so from zooming out a little bit, what can we do as aspiring servant leaders? Maybe you're in the military or any walk of life. What can you do to pour into somebody, to inspire them to be their best self? What kind of encouragement can you give somebody? What kind of motivation can you give to somebody through, like he said, a caring connection to make them want to push themselves to be the best version of themselves? I think all of us are called to do that in whatever way we can, in whatever walk of life we find ourselves. The next thing I think he said what was really telling and for me inspiring, when I asked him about how he incorporates his kids and how he serves his family, he said that he includes his children in his job. And he talked about his kids are 14, 12, and 11, and they're involved in a whole lot of sports, but he also emphasized that they all also play football and they have a lot of conversations around football. And so he's able to spend time with them, bringing them to his job, And he even went on to say that for Mother's Day, he had a special time with his kids where he gave his wife a break for a few hours without the kids and he worked them out for a few hours. Like that is really getting after it in terms of serving your family. He was really spending time with his kids and helping them to grow and develop and mature from a physical perspective, but also serving his wife, giving her some time to relax and recuperate and refresh and all those things that are important for Mother's Day. And so what more can we do? As fathers, as husbands, what can we do to pour into our kids, to spend time with our kids, to give our wife a break now and again from the daily grind that she's going through? Really think that was an important lesson. And then as we were getting towards the end of the interview, Craig strikes me as a very humble man. This guy is then head strength and conditioning coach for a professional football team. There's tons of articles written about him and the great work that he does, and He was very humble when he talked about, really, it's all about self-improvement. No matter where you're at, regardless of what level, even a guy like me that's 45 and not in the best shape, really, it's just about self-improvement and taking those small next steps. It's not about comparing yourself to a guy that's in a magazine. It's not even about comparing yourself to your battle buddy. It's about taking small next steps. And I wonder if we can do that same thing for other people that we're with. Can we encourage somebody that maybe is not as far along as us to take their next step, to focus just on being their best self, that self-improvement, small steps day by day? Because then at the end, after some time has passed, you get the blessing that Craig Fitzgerald has had numerous times where he talked about players that have gone on into the military, players of Some of them have gone on to the NFL and they send them pictures or letters or shout outs on social media talking about how Coach Craig Fitzgerald was instrumental in helping them become who they are today. Now listen, I don't know what walk of life you're in. I don't know what you do for a living, but I do know that each one of us has the power to speak into somebody's life. So I would encourage you today 
to do as Craig Fitzgerald has done for so many years, to speak life into people, to encourage people, inspire people to be their best selves. And then years and years later, when you least expect it, people will reach out to you and tell you, thank you so much for believing in me. And here's where I'm at today because of what you did for me. Really inspiring. And I'm so thankful for Craig's time today. Well, listen, it's uh, no different each week when I talk to you about good going into the universe, that good comes back to you. So every once in a while, God shows up financially. God is always there. He's always present. But for me, he showed up financially. And so I had an opportunity to bless somebody this past week. And it was not something that was um, that came naturally. And it was definitely something that was done out of a heart of generosity because I wanted to care for a person. And so it put me what I thought was going to be in a bit of a bind uh, financially, but I just wanted to trust in God. And so today I got an email talking about how I was going to get a refund on something that was completely unexpected. And it was in the number of like $3,200. And that was way more than I had given to care for this other person recently. And so my point to you is when you take a leap of faith and when you put good into the universe and you serve others and you honor God, all those things, good will come back to you. God will bless you more than you could ever ask or imagine. So don't hesitate. Go on and bless that person. Go on and give because God will bless you and God will honor that service. Well, listen, next week, another incredible guest, Miss Christine Dominiak. She is a certified grief recovery specialist. She is the co-host for a radio show called Ask the Angels. She's an author, a veterans advocate, and a keynote speaker. So I'm really excited to talk to her for next week's show. But for now, as you go about your week, no matter where you're at, always ask, how can I help? Thanks for listening and join us again next week. Walking around these walls I thought by now they fall But you have never felt me yet Waiting for change to come Knowing the battle's won For you have never felt me yet Your promise still stands Great is your faithfulness Your faithfulness I'm still in